Hello and welcome back to a uh, much delayed episode of What's That Noise, the podcast that pursues matters of confusion and clarity, however and whatever that means. But more recently, confusion. (laughs) A ton of confusion lately. Hey, Tommy, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. It's so good to hear your voice. I feel like it's been forever. Ah, uh, me too. It, it And it hasn't been as long as it seems because we've chatted a little bit. But uh, there's been some uh, technical difficulties on the uh, show. Uh, you want you want to run through some of those for, for our listeners there, Tommy? I can't emphasize enough that this entire podcast has really been a great example of learning by doing. I never knew how to do any of this stuff until I met you, Derek, and you've been so excellent at it. And I've mentioned this before on a previous episode that doing this without you is really, really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) And now that I'm over here with this tiny microphone and um, I'm using converters to plug my laptop into the (laughs) wall, which, uh, you know, ironically just electrocuted the crap out of me just a minute ago. Um, Yeah, it's been difficult uh, for the, the technical side because... Despite the fact that you and I have had many episodes pre-recorded already, um, you and I both had really strange technical difficulties. My file that I recorded here with uh, a young researcher named Florian uh, was completely corrupted. Like Mm -hmm. the first 10 minutes is great and the rest of it just keeps clipping out, almost Mm -hmm. as though I was being electrocuted again without the sensation (laughs) of being electrocuted. So what happened with with your side? Why Uh, haven't we seen anything for a few weeks on your end? So we, you and I recorded a a sort of recap episode that is, was the same as the title for this episode, Reunited and it feels so good. Reunited part two. (laughs) But I have no idea. We we tried to use a a service um, that allowed us to record uh, over a distance, you being in Germany, myself being in London. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I couldn't get the files down. When I brought them down from the cloud, every time, like the first time it worked, I started editing. And then the second time, I couldn't bring them down the cloud. I'd bring a file down and the file was completely empty. And I don't even mean just corrupted to the point where we couldn't really chat with or you couldn't really tell what we were saying. There was nothing, no sound. There was time. So for the full 50 odd minutes, there was something there. But I have no idea you couldn't hear anything so those files that's really strange and still when I, I, s- I tried again when- this morning and nothing sorry there's a little bit of a delay on my end so if i consistently cut you off it's not just because i like cutting you off but it's because like i'm also experiencing another kind of technical difficulty here mm. but what i was going to say was that when i sat down with floy on to do the recording i actually had to stop halfway through a fully recorded episode because the little switch I have on my microphone was stuck between omnidirectional and a DB cut. So it was <laughs> flickering back and forward. Oh and the wave files were like jumping off of my wow. screen. And I was like looking at Florian without trying to alarm him. He can't see my laptop screen. That You know, something was really strange and wrong here. Yeah. And he actually thought it was him. So <laughs> I was making him nervous about nothing. So yeah. we stopped, had a beer rated the whole thing mm-hmm. we were late for a little barbecue here or something like that but you know that file's gone like a fart in the wind anyway so yeah. we're gonna have to redo that next week but so we've lost a few weeks worth of of uh 
of of episodes. We we've been going strong up until that point. Ah. What were we on episode thirteen or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we were on a, a nice weekly schedule. Our grind was perfectly in order, where we record later in the week and then edit and then publish on Monday. And now it's been almost I think over four weeks since our last uh, episode has been published. But we're back. We're back. Uh, we're back on the grind. We're back together, at least uh, on an audio recording. Uh, and I think this really is a learning moment for us to kind of take a step back and realize that we're not professionals in this sort of podcasting game. And <laughs> uh, we, we need to sort of take a step back and, and learn from some of the mistakes um, and learn from some of the challenges that we have, some of the sources of confusion uh, for the podcast itself. And it goes well with this, the whole modus operandi of this uh, of this podcast, don't you think, Tommy? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I hope that um, uh, not having to depend upon downloading files from the cloud uh, <laughs> will will be a thing moving forward. But it is really cool that we can use this this cloud based service in order to talk to one another. And I hope that we can utilize that moving forward so that we can get in touch with other researchers and other really interesting people with interesting encounters of noise from around the world. Absolutely. So I think that th- this, this particular episode, it's reunited. It's, it's really kind of a relaunch of this uh, <laughs> wonderful podcast already. And I think what we're going to try to do here is uh, we've already explained a little bit about sort of where we've been, um, but I kind of want to take this uh, episode to regroup and talk about what we've been doing over the past month or so and really where we're going, uh, not only with this podcast, but also kind of our professional um, careers over the next uh, few months. Um, so how does that sound to you? Sounds great, man. Where do you want to begin? I want to begin with chatting. What, what's been new with you? I hear you just got engaged. Congratulations. Uh, thanks, man. I am newly engaged. I went Tommy down off to the market. Tommy is off the market. Officially <laughs> off the market. Not that that's going to impact anybody, I don't think. <laughs> just just my lovely patient. Did I say patient and I mean really extremely patient partner, Christina. We went down to a little part of Germany which is actually the most southern part of Germany, called Bestesgaden. And a lot of travelers will know Bestesgaden because it's part of the German Alps. It's actually a town that's situated very, very close to a national park. But what a lot of travelers don't know is that if you continue going south and slightly west of the town of Bestesgaden, and actually closer towards the Alps themselves, you will hit Königsee, which in a lot of ways, is a quite touristy place. But there's a whole bunch of little villages that have no more than five or six families living in them. Mm. One of them is called Ramsau by Bestesgaden, and another one is called Bischofswiesen. And we spent most of our time there. We actually were staying with a farmer and his lovely girlfriend, like right smack dab in the middle of Bischofswiesen, Bestesgaden, with 360-degree view of the Alps. It was just stunning. Mm. And it poured rain for the entire weekend that we were away and it really it really zapped my spirits man like i had this beautiful image of going on a hike up the alps with christina and waiting for a nice moment of rest popping a beer or a bottle of champagne and asking her to marry me so it came close to that we hiked 1500 meters up 
um, the Alps next to a, a place in Bestis Garden called Hinterzee, Hinter Lake. And uh, the whole hike up 1,500 meters, two and a half hours up the Alps, poured rain. Mm. We were soaked. And Christina forgot her umbrella. So wow. it's pouring rain, trudging through the mud. Kind of dangerous, I'm going to admit. It probably wasn't a great idea walking all the way up to the summit. <laughs> but I used a, a map that was laminated and I held it over my head to stop myself from getting wet. So despite the fact that both of our shoes were soaked and our hair was soaked and my backpack was soaked when we got to the top, the sun finally broke. I asked her to marry me. She said, obviously. And the rest was bliss after that. Wow. So we had a really, really interesting time, produced a lot of clarity, but the trip also produced a little bit of confusion for me, if I, if I may add as well. Mm, and and, and what, what's that? What's this uh, confusion? Cows. <laughs> oh, explain this, please. I don't understand German cows and how people in Germany think about cows. So let me, let me tell you what's going on here. Mm. Bavaria is known for a lot of things. I think like the primary export in terms of German culture is the image of Bavarian life, which is lederhosen and the white and blue flag and Munich beer and all this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. right? When you're down in southern Bavaria in the rolling hills and it feels and looks like the sound of music everywhere you go, because that's where the sound of music was filmed, um, there's cows everywhere. And cows are a huge part of local culture and heritage in Bavaria. The place that we were staying at was owned by a farmer, and he owned about a dozen cows, which he literally lets wander off into the Alps, and they live there all year. Five and a half hour hike away, there's no GPS, there's no tracking, they just live there. And then the farmer will go and try and count them and make sure they're okay every couple of weeks, and then bring them home at the end of the year. So the cows live very, very freely. They're allowed to go anywhere they want, which I thought meant anywhere in the Alps. Yeah. So Sunday night, we finished dinner. I had proposed earlier that day. No, sorry. I proposed on a Saturday. Sunday night, Christine and I go out for dinner. And as we leave near a, a restaurant in Hintasi, there's a massive thunderstorm. And I go up this really, really windy hill. And I pump on the brakes because there's a dozen cows standing on the road looking at me. <laughs> and Christina recorded this. And we both looked at each other and we said, Oh, that's cute. There's a dozen cows standing on the road. And then I said to myself, that's really dangerous. Now, Derek, let me ask you, if you're in Canada and you're driving down a road mm. in the country and there's a dozen cows standing in front of you, what would you do? Uh, I'm, I'm on a country road. Yep. I'd probably slow down, honk my horn and hope that <laughs> they move. Would you tell anybody about it other than Allie? I would tell. Like in the car? Oh, in the, what do you mean? Well, would, would you get the impulse to report that to somebody? No. Like if you saw a gate open, would you not want to let <laughs> no. the farmer know that their cows escaped? No, I, would, I wouldn't even think of that. Uh, it, to oh, you totally set me up in the wrong direction. I thought you were going to say, oh, of course, Tom, of course no. I would go pound on the neighbor's door and tell them. No, I can't even explain to the point where I was confused over your question was because I like, I, I... <laughs> would not do that in any but that's just i'm a kind of city kid so like you handle your own things like 
I worry about myself, you worry about yourself. If there's cows on the road, yeah, whatever. There's cows on the road. I wouldn't even think to go tell somebody that there are a bunch of cows on the road. You are definitely a city kid. If it was the middle of downtown Toronto, you know what I would do? I'd get out and tweet hashtag cows on the loose. <laughs> tweet at city of Toronto, municipal, uh, I don't know, groundskeepers uh, oh. or something. Or I thought CCA. you were way more civically minded. Uh, I probably should I'm, disa- I'm frankly disappointed. I'm just a city kid. I'm t- I, I've never realized more. Uh, so I, a bit of a bit of a side that maybe we can edit and cut this out later. But I I've been on the weekends recently. I've been going to various places, some up in cottage country, and like just the fact my whole approach to like swimming in the water is weird. Like I'm such a city kid. I can't even take like the cold water. <laughs> I want it to be warm. Like I want it like a, a heated pool, not. Uh, cold lake and my partner just makes fun of me every day and says like i'm just a city it <laughs> city it <laughs> oh man well listen man i'm glad you weren't in the car with me when we ran into these cows because it would have totally invalidated my impulse to want to go bang on somebody's door because that's exactly what i did and they're Once probably the moved- like what are you talking about that's just what they do well, let me tell you what happens here, mm. sir. We drive around the bend, the cows get out of the way, but they're heading down towards the lake, and there's a bunch of tourists down there drinking, so I figure this is the only way out. If they come speeding around this corner and it's raining and they hit a cow, yeah, game over. That's yeah. not good. They're walking down to a busy part of this little region. So I come around the corner, piss-pouring rain, thunderstorm, lightning, everything. There's a farm immediately in front of me and the gates are open. All of the barn doors are open. Listen, man, I'm a city kid too, but my parents have a hobby farm. Mm. If you drive by a farm and you see gates open in the outskirts of London, Ontario, Canada, you let the neighbor know, especially if they're horses. That's, yeah. that's a big problem, right? Mm. So I put the car into park. I put the four ways on. I jump over their gates. I'm soaked. I pound on their door. Your cows are loose. Somebody come and talk to me. Christine is losing her mind laughing at me in the car, by the way. I can hear her in the car in the rain laughing. So I jump back in the car. I drive to the next farm. Same thing. Four ways on. Jump over the gate. Pounding on the door. Nobody answers. I go out to a smaller house behind this main house, which I recognize as like a rental unit in the middle of this farming country in, in Beshtesgaden. Mm-hmm. And this lady comes to the door. And I said, in really, really broken, awful German, Du musst mich hilfen. Kua, alles kua, in der Straße. Making no sense. Everything that I just said is like totally bad German. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she looks at me and she kind of gestures and says something to the effect of, well, what do you want me to do about it? They're not my cows. <laughs> so I said, look, in English, you have to understand this is an emergency. Yeah. Somebody will hit the cows. Zehn oder fünfzehn kua in der Straße. And she's like, oh, das ist normal. Das ist normal. <laughs> I mean, what do you mean? It's that's normal. She's like, yeah, in Deutschland, das ist normal. So I put my hand on my heart and I apologize. This tut mir leid. Entschuldigung, entschuldigung. And she just laughs. She is howling at me, man. She's crying. She's laughing at me so hard, and she's telling me in German. I think, you know, in in Bavaria, cows are allowed to go wherever they want. There's there's laws about this. Mm. If a cow walks off a property they're allowed to go where they want and i didn't realize that there are actually these little like steel bulbs in the road 
And when their hooves touch them, they know not to cross it because they've socialized into it. Wow. The cows. So I get back in the car, right? Soaking wet. Christina looks at me and she's like, what the hell just happened? You were animated and then you were shaking her hand and she was crying. And I said, well, it turns out this is normal here. Christina's howling. We go back to our rental property. I tell the owner and her girlfriend, and the girlfriend has friends visiting, and the girlfriend's mother is there. They're losing their minds. They, they're drinking wine, pouring champagne, laughing. They're crying, laughing at me. And oh, this is a big thing in Germany, you know. But if you actually hit one of those cows, you can go to jail. Like it's a serious, serious crime to hit a cow and not report it which actually just happened the weekend before. So they were kind of excited that this ignorant Canadian <laughs> comes over here and, and takes the time to actually try and report it when it's actually quite normal. So I have to say, of all of the things I've encountered in Germany thus far, man, when it comes to research, pedagogy, theory, philosophy, learning about a different way of doing things here, that confused me more than anything. But it was really fun. Yeah, that would be. I can just picture uh, that. That farm owner just being like, wow, this, this Westerner, this North or Canadian or American or whatever they're thinking uh, is out of his mind. Uh, but it, it felt like the right thing to do, though. Uh, fair. And it is interesting how, that, how that's become so socialized in terms of, uh, of, being, of infrastructure being built around that uh, notion of, of cow freedom, cow liberty. Cows have a ton of freedom. They have a ton of liberty in, in Bavaria. And because those are cows that are used for consumption, not for milk, mm. um, it's really important to the people of Bavaria and Bestesgaden in particular that those cows have a really fulfilled life. And to mm. them, that means literally going wherever you want. Wow. That's so it. one of the friends that was visiting at the time didn't actually know that you know, they had such crazy rights. So that made me feel a tiny bit better mm -hmm. about what was going on. But um, yeah, it was, it was so fascinating to me that um, such a large animal that was literally the size of our car could just literally walk onto a highway and the police would set up barricades and just sort of let them do what they need to do until it stops. That's it. I think there's a, a, a place for a cow criminology here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Maybe. you're going to have to lead that research agenda. You, with, you can use my anecdote, but I don't know anything about criminology, my friend. That's real. Oh, that's interesting. So it sounds like you've been up to, up to a lot. I, I, I have been up to a lot. Yeah, exactly. Getting engaged, dealing with some cows. Another thing that confused me here is that the intersection lights in Germany, in the entire country, are on your side of the intersection, not the far side. So when you pull up to a red light, you have to lean forward to look see it. Yeah. to see yeah. the lamp, which I actually find really dangerous because most of the intersections are built in, in areas that are densely populated mm -hmm. and the buildings sit right next to the sidewalks and the intersections are set back. So you can't see intersecting traffic in perpendicular uh, intersections as they're approaching. So that that's one other thing, but I, I mean, like, it's not nearly as interesting in terms of confusion as the whole cow thing. What about you, man? Tell me what's been going on with your work and uh, the things that you've been looking forward to doing. I know you're at a really big conference last week. Was that right? 
Yeah, yeah. Last week was the uh, International Sociological Association sort of World Congress. Uh, everyone there referred to it as the Olympics of sociology because it happens once every four years. And this one was just down the street in Toronto. Um, so I, I was there. Um, I presented one paper. I presented my book project, which is kind of what I've been doing for the past uh, few months and will continue uh, to be working on for the next few months trying to complete that before it's due date or before the editor uh, jumps down my throat to get, to get it submitted. <laughs> As um, they do. As yeah, they do. Which, is, which is great. I need that little sort of push. Um, but while I was there, I, I, I got two amazing podcasts in. And, and it's the beginning of uh, a series, sort of uh, the, the informal relaunch of What's That Noise, uh, <laughs> if you will. Uh, and uh, we, we toured... The University of Toronto Sociology Department, and I oh, chatted. Wow. Yeah, I chatted with doctors Aneta Macbule and uh, Ju Young Lee, uh, and we chatted about a whole bunch of amazing things. They're both ethnographers. Um, they both have really done really really interesting work, um, and are continuing to do really really interesting work. So I don't want to talk too much about those podcasts, other than uh, to kind of give them a, a shout out in advance. We're going to be publishing those on Monday next week and the week after. Um, and I really, really urge the listeners to, to have a listen to those because uh, they were really fun conversations. They're both amazing people, positive people, uh, which, as you know, Tommy, in the world of academia, uh, can sometimes be difficult to find. They're very <laughs> positive um, people with a good outlook on both research and, and professional uh, issues. So we talk about a whole bunch of things, about how to use Twitter uh, as an academic and as a teacher, about various pedagogical issues, about the questions that they're really grappling with in their research. Um, so I, I, I can't wait to share uh, these episodes with, with everyone, including you, Tommy. Oh, I'm really excited to listen to them, man. I'm almost feeling a little bit uh, sorry that I wasn't available to be able to talk with you guys about those episodes, but maybe after I listen, and because it's going to be in Toronto, maybe we can go down and re-interview these wonderful folk when I get back. It's not as though I was just sitting around last week. I was dealing with cows <laughs> and rain and getting engaged. So I saw all of the tweets and I saw all of the wonderful Twitter activity firing up in and around our network again. So I want to thank everyone that's listening again for being patient with us. I hope that you get something out of today's quirky little <laughs> reunited episode and I'm, I'm really really stoked to see what comes of these interviews man is there anything else that you can share with us about them i'm, I'm a little bit hungry oh okay so um so netta uh, uh dr netta mcboule um she's assistant professor at the university of toronto and she does incredible work on um how iranians um uh, position themselves in a very interesting place in western culture uh, and it's historically contingent. It's legally contingent. And she mm. created, she creates a couple of really interesting concepts for explaining um, uh, th this role as um, what she calls a racial hinge, um, uh, where uh, Iranian culture uh, is used as a racial hinge by which somebody can move back and forth between an other uh, and uh, or an us versus a them. Uh, and kind of flip back and forth between someone who belongs in the West, in, in American culture, and someone who might be um, legally uh, or socially uh, uh, put to the, 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 the margin. 
Um, and it's really, really interesting, really, really fascinating ethnographic uh, research um, that I can't necessarily do justice to uh, uh, explaining, but uh, she does a wonderful job um, explaining her research. And now she's working on a project with uh, Syrian newcomer um, mothers and families um, and exploring how Syrian refugees are navigating their new lives in Canada, which um, as as our listeners probably know, is, is a very uh, contemporary uh, topic that's kind of pervading our, our public discourse or has uh, ever since 2016. I'm um, particularly interested in, in listening to this episode. I met um, on the, the train to work this morning. I hmm. met a Syrian undergraduate student who's studying at Ruhr University here in Bochum. And um, I haven't had the, the pleasure of talking to many Syrians here. Mm-hmm. When I hear about Syrian experience here, it's usually through locals that I meet that are from Turkey or from yeah. Lebanon or different parts of the Middle East. This particular fellow is from Damascus, and we didn't get a lot of time to talk. Fortunately, we were able to exchange contact information. We're going to go for a drink at the end of the week. But he, what he was saying is that the war in Syria is coming to an end. And despite the fact that many of his friends had to flee Aleppo, they're starting mm-hmm. to go back, which is not something that's being picked up a lot in Western media. And so he was saying mm-hmm. to me, well, if you're a researcher, Tom, please, please don't listen to Western media. Things are really changing there. And this is already generating a ton of confusion for me. So maybe we can find some insights for clarity on such a timely and uh, increasingly difficult tif- uh, topic to make sense of so that we can bring Nada back on later and ask her some more hard-hitting questions. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. And, and she is uh, such a wonderful colleague. And I just want to thank her and both her and Ju Young uh, for being so welcoming uh, during my interviews last week. Uh, it was really fun to chat with them. Um, so I'm re- again, I'm really excited to share those, those two episodes. So it seems like we're starting to get a sense of where we're taking this podcast then. It's already developed some character, and curiously enough, man, I think the absence from doing some of these shows um, in the last three weeks while we've been dealing with crazy things like technical (laughs) issues and weird social turbulences and things like that, um, it's allowed us some time to reflect upon what it is that we want to do. So I'm curious, what do you foresee, let's say, starting September? We've got a few shows lined up that will carry through the rest of the summer. I'll be moving back to Canada. And you'll be at King's. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You'll be, you'll be at King's in your new office with your new setup right across the hallway from our dear friend and wonderful colleague, Professor Dr. Benjamin Muller. What's, what's on the the agenda for moving forward, man? Oh, absolutely. I think one, uh, getting Ben on, uh, more often is going to be, uh, one of the key goals. Uh, and he, he wants to come on and we want him uh, to be more part of the the podcast going forward because it's so easy. We're literally, right next door he might be able to hear me right now because he's in uh, i know he's in his office um but also i think i want to start developing some some series if we can some some new uh new styles of podcasts um not just interviews but also maybe some uh little journeys little intellectual journeys into particular uh topic areas um a little bit more storytelling a little bit more narrative if we can get a couple of those uh, episodes in. And then also, I think it might be uh, time to start 
reaching out to some of the people we've had on the podcast before um, to uh, to revisit some of the issues we've been talking about because uh, it's been some there's been some time between um, a lot of the podcasts that we've uh, that we've put on. But I also want to continue uh, to interview really really interesting people uh, doing really interesting work, and I know we have a lot lined up uh, on that uh, on that front. What about you, Tommy? One of the best resources, before I answer your question, I think one of the best resources that we have at King's for cultivating new ideas and getting new personalities on the podcast are the students. Have you ever given any consideration (laughs) to getting the students on the show or doing a a series that focuses on students? Absolutely. What a great uh, uh, pivot there because we were, Tommy and I were talking about this um, earlier, but I'm trying to to do a couple things with this podcast and teaching. Um, I've, I've been developing a syllabus that uh, is going to, to utilize podcasting as a pedagogical tool um, for my students in this upcoming semester and actually use podcasts uh, or, or the recording of a, a particular podcast as a way for students to really get into a particular uh, topic or a particular issue that they're interested in. Um, we're seeing in academia more or in universities uh, more creative means uh, through which students can learn and engage with course material. And I'm trying to develop that in my uh, course by having students fulfill as a course requirement a podcast. And they can use my equipment, they can use um, the equipment that uh, is provided or that, that we're using now, uh, and I'll assist as needed. But I want students to, to script uh, a podcast and record a podcast on something related to course content. But even more, I want them to think about why they're recording that podcast and think about what, how that connects with course material and justify why it is they're doing that form of podcast, whether it be an interview, whether it be something like the Caliphate um, uh, podcast that really gets into a story and develops a story in a really narrative way. Um, or whether it just be a really in-depth conversation about a particular topic. I want to see how students engage in new media uh, and, and are able to tell a story that at once relates to course material and also is interesting and fun and will help them in their professional and, and personal uh, uh, journeys. Um, so I'm really trying to, to, to develop that and hopefully we'll get some uh, a student's takes uh, on this podcast. And I think that this is a great space um, to have voices of others as well, which I think you and I both agree is always a good thing. Getting a young person's perspective about a podcast and how they relate to your subject matter, um, particularly given their different proximity and experience with new media over ours, because we're like essentially old people compared to them now. It's going to be super fascinating. I think our, our recent history with the technical side of this <laughs> demonstrates that. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds fantastic. I think yeah. if we can, we can have like a, a couple different side series to the show, it would be really, really interesting, not just for the different people we're interviewing and to diversify what it is that we're trying to do here, but also for us to continue learning about things that we don't actually know. I hope that when I get back to Canada in the fall, um, I can continue to do this as well. It might be a little bit different in the sense that I'm not going to be at King's, unfortunately, 
And I suppose I'll use this opportunity to share with everyone that I'm heading to Queen's University in Kingston to work with David Lyon at the Surveillance Studies Center on a two-year postdoc. So um, as crappy, honestly, as crappy as it's going to be to not be by your side for most of the time, my friend, um, I'm hoping to try and get as many different researchers as I can on the show, not just from Queen's, but also from the Surveillance Studies Center. Very, They're very, very excellent list of guest lecturers that they have all year. I think there's a great opportunity to really tap into a completely different stream of people as they pass in and through Kingston on a regular basis. And that's, I think, a benefit of that surveillance center, which is um, one of the I, I, one of the most well-renowned uh, centers in Canada, not just in terms of surveillance, but uh, just as a research center in general. It's um, it's they've got some big hitters there, and uh, they're doing some really interesting work. So I, I'm really excited to see what um, the sorts of people that you converse with while you're there. I'm already working on a more advanced form of my really underdeveloped poker face. <laughs> because there are, there are a lot of big names that come through there, and I'm mm. excited to see um, uh, who it is that, that I can encounter and, and to see what kinds of problems that they encounter. And I'm sure they're not just technical, but I'm yeah. really fascinated in continuing to explore on this podcast and potentially in our side series, noise and confusion from a conceptual mm. perspective. When you were talking about Nita's work, you mentioned that she's developing the specific context, uh, sorry, a concept about racial hinge. The metaphor there is really fascinating for me because as we know in the English language, metaphors are so important, especially in academia, to animate how it is that the reader thinks about something. And this is a very unusual thing to do in German scholarship. So when mm -hmm. I recently gave a talk here at the center, and I was drawing upon, you know, these science and technology studies ways of talking about things, you know, that's very metaphorical and very allegorical. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are scratching their heads and looking at me like, my English is pretty good. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I understand what it is that you're saying. Why the hell are you talking about cybernetics in that way, Tom? I think it would be really cool to kind of push some of the people we interview to explore the concepts that are central, not just in their writing, but in the formulation of their ideas and arguments and early theory, theoretical working, to see what it elucidates for them and potentially where friction and tension emerges by what can't be captured by metaphors and allegories. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, you're really going to enjoy the episode, both episodes uh, with nice. Netta and Drew Young because we really take a... Uh, in my view, something we a little bit different than what we've done in the past is we really take this um, sort of viewer, uh, we, we, we pull apart, we tease apart some of the confusion around these concepts um, and apply it to other things we're doing. So um, Monday can't come soon enough. <laughs> it really can't. But in some ways, it can come a little bit faster for me, man. I have to admit... I'm sitting here in the lounge of the uh, Center for Advanced Internet Studies in Bochum, which you can visit online at cais.nrw. It is boiling hot in here. <laughs> Germans are wonderful to their environment, which requires an almost complete absence of air conditioning. Yeah. And I, I just can't sit here any longer, my friend, so I have to get going. But listen, it's it's been awesome catching up with you. Let's try to do this again before the summer ends. 
Oh, absolutely. And uh, hopefully we can do it in the next couple of weeks and not have another month between episodes. I'm sorry to all the <laughs> listeners. And I apologize as well. We're very, very grateful for your patience and, of course, for your ongoing interest and support. If you guys have any questions about the show or if you have any suggestions, hit me up at Thomas N. Cook. If you have any complaints, obviously, hit Derek <laughs> up at Derek Krim, and I'll sign off there. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of What's That Noise? If you enjoyed the show, please give us a follow on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify Music. And feel free to follow us on Twitter at WTNCast, at Derek Krim, or at Thomas N. Cook. And please tune in next week as we sit down with University of Toronto professor Dr. Netta McBoule to chat about her recent book, The Limits of Whiteness, as well as her forthcoming research. And as always, keep listening for the noise.